We've talked a lot about the offense and what we'd like to see change, particularly around Zion Williamson, but it's been good and the team wrecked the Warriors the other night. But what if I told you the defense is also currently elite? However, what's working for the Pelicans may not be what you think. Let's break it down in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans plus a Kyra Lewis Jr. update as well. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans. Your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans at NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Wednesday, day before Thanksgiving, we'll get into a couple of things I'm thankful for in the third segment of today's show. And of course, it's a game day for your New Orleans Pelicans. They take on the San Antonio Spurs, who've lost five in a row. Hopefully, the Pelicans can make it six in a row in this one. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know about this team. What's working, what isn't, what needs to change. And today we are going to focus on the defense. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Tell a friend about the show. Number one thing you can do, leave a comment down below on YouTube. Tell me what you're thankful for about this team. Is it Zion? Is it Brandon Ingram? Is it Willie Green? Is it Maybe the Lakers picks that they have. That certainly is a good one. So we'll get into some of that stuff a little bit lighthearted. It's day before Thanksgiving, but I don't know how many of y'all are going to be listening on Thanksgiving. So we're going to do it in today's show. Let's get into the defense. The defense right now for the Pelicans currently elite. Six best defense in the league, basically everywhere you look. They've been on that side of the ball very, very good this year. But it hasn't always seemed like that, right? We've watched them. I think they very much struggle defending the pick and roll. So given all of that, given that the Celtics bombed away from three, how are they sixth? Like, what are they doing right? Are they taking away the rim, perhaps? And it's not that. It's a combination of a couple of things. And you saw the Pelicans talking about it after practice yesterday. It starts with their aggressiveness on defense. They're number one in deflections, just knocking the ball, poking it loose, whether that turns into a steal. Maybe it just goes out of bounds and the opponent retains possession. They're aggressive and they're kind of just going for the ball, hunting for the ball. And because you're leading the league in deflections, one of the things the team is one of the best at right now when it comes to defense, uh, seventh best in the league, is forcing opponent turnovers. They're seventh best on almost 16% of the time the opponent has the ball, they're forcing a turnover. It's 15.8. League leaders, Toronto, by the way, at 18. So New Orleans is really right in that mix. Getting out there, getting their hands on the balls, trying to turn defense into offense, as Antonio Daniels and Joel Myers would like to say. They do this because they have a lot of length, and this length is going to come into play here in just a second with one of the other things that they're doing well. Guys like Herb Jones, a lot of length, right? Brandon Ingram, a lot of length there too, all arms. You have Trey Murphy, who's out there on the wing, who's 6'10", who grew. You also have guys like Najee Marshall, who off the bench have been key. And then even one of your shorter, your shortest guy in Jose Alvarado, 
I mean, dude just has a knack for steals to the point that no one knows it's coming, even though you should know it's coming. And maybe the TV broadcast can't get you a replay because they didn't actually have didn't actually have a camera on him when he was making those kind of moves. They are aggressive. It burns them at times. It absolutely burns them at times. And we'll get into that here. Well, let's get into it right now. So in those pick and roll situations, they like to switch. They like to switch. So screen is coming and being set. And instead of trying to really navigate around it, you just switch. And you get your, your guard on a big and your big on a guard. And that's what they're going to roll with. That tends to be what most teams really want to do in the NBA right now. Drop coverage. Teams can really beat that. And really good guards can really burn you there. So they, they like to switch. When that happens, you know, playing aggressively, if you're really right up on the guy and trying to slow him down, if you do get beat, they can turn the corner and they can get downhill and attack the basket. We've seen that happen to Zion on the perimeter a little bit. You've seen it happen to some of these other guys. Just the guard turns, puts the jets on, gets downhill. Now the Pelicans, when that happened, do a good job of rotating over. And in fact, they're not giving up as many shots at the rim as you would actually think. In fact, they're 10th best in terms of opponent shooting at the rim in terms of frequency. It's happening 32.7% of the time for New Orleans. That is above average. Not a ton above average, but above average nonetheless. And we'll take it. It's really in the mid-range when this starts to hurt them. So those guards turn the corner or you have your defender backpedaling. And because maybe there's a switch there and you have a small guy on a big guy, if they get the big guy the ball, they just rise up for a mid-range shot. And they're making them. And it's not the worst thing because I'd rather have teams taking mid-rangers than shooting at the rim. So it's just one of those things that you can kind of live with. The way I would probably describe this Pelicans defense is bend but don't break in a sense when it comes to kind of the pick and roll and aggressively trying to turn the ball over. You know, you'll see them go for steals and they get burned, but because you have helped down low in Valanciunas or Larry Nance Jr. who have done a really good job defensively, it ends up being okay and it allows you to be pretty aggressive and go for those steals and then turn that into easy offense in terms of transition. The other area that the Pelicans have been so impressive is when it comes to defending the three-point line, they are second best when it comes to opponent shooting percentage from three. Teams are not shooting well against New Orleans whatsoever. Teams are shooting according to cleaning the glass, which is going to filter out garbage time with all of this. So it might be a different number than you see elsewhere. 33.2% against New Orleans from all threes this year. That's a really good number. And it feels like opponents take a lot of threes, right? And the answer to that is, yes, yeah, somewhat. But New Orleans is doing a really good job of contesting those threes. When you look at those guys with the length, right? Najee, Herb, Brandon Ingram, even Zion. They're all really good one-on-one -on -one defenders. If their man's in front of them and it's not a pick-and-roll situation, they can kind of limit that, I think. And with some of that length, with their athleticism, they can contest those threes and force teams into taking them but not making those threes. It does have the downside at times of the Pelicans defenders not being able to rebound on those long kind of caroms off of the basketball. But you've seen them do a really good job of defending the three-point line and contesting as many threes and trying to make shooters uncomfortable. And it's showing up in the data. It's really kind of in the mid-range and just in terms of pure volume that teams are taking against them. But it's very much a bend-but-don't-break defense. This is also 
partially skewed, not that much, by the Warriors game the other night where they won by 45 and that team was just bad. But you got to play who's in front of you. So the Pelicans defense has been working so far. Is it elite? I don't think it's actually as good as their sixth best ranking would indicate, but I don't think it's truly that bad. And so watching this team play, you really do see the bend but don't break. There's going to be some runs, but they're never, other than really one game, just kind of getting you know, kicked in the face and have no response. They defend pretty well. I think that's a nice change from what we saw them really struggle with last year. Giving up that many threes that they're giving up, they're on the higher end of that in terms of frequency. That's not ideal. You know, New Orleans is 24th there. If teams start to shoot better or they don't contest as well, that could be a problem. But right now, this seems to be working with their bend but don't break defense. One other thing they don't do at all that they're really good at on the defensive side of the ball is they don't foul. They're really good about that. I want to get into that a little bit more and also how it pertains to Dyson Dan- Daniels coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Taro. Taro is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Taro, you can book any car you want whenever you want it from a community of local hosts. So browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the US, UK, Canada, and coming soon to Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family trip. Find an affordable economy car if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. Or get a classic or a luxury car for any sort of special event. You can even test drive new electric cars to see how it fits your everyday life. And many tarot hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars. Find your drive at tarot.com. T-U-R-O.com. Thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. Now for your second listen, go check out Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories across all sports summed up in one 30-minute show. What do you need to know? Would have been the World Cup game for the U.S. the other day, which was disappointing. Maybe they'll get back to it on Friday, though. Uh, So go check out the Locked On Sports today podcast. And... Let's continue talking about the defense here for the Pelicans. I said it right at the end there in the last segment. One of the things New Orleans does best right now is not fouling, which is kind of surprising to me, given that Herb Jones has gotten a very unkind defensive whistle this year. Feels like he's been in foul trouble a lot of the times, averaging 3.6. But no one else really does. Everyone else has been like average defensively, even Zion Williamson. I think he's been much better than people want to give him some credit for. I think he's been fine, not good, but fine. And individually he's okay. does fall asleep and needs to stop ball watching a little bit, but they don't foul. And when you're not doing that and not getting, letting the opponent go to the free throw line, they're in the top 10 when it comes to this, that's a big advantage because their team that when Zion starts getting calls is going to be living at the line. And that's something that's going to be a huge advantage for this team. And when I've been watching Dyson Daniels play, despite the game against the Golden State Warriors where he struggled with fouls, he's pretty good about that, I think, not fouling. So he really does fit into what they're trying to do defensively, I think. He's really strong at the point of attack. He switches more. 
you know, at six foot seven with a really strong wingspan, long wingspan, he fits in with that contest three point shots, give up mid rangers and maybe help at the rim when you need to. You've seen him go and meet guys at the rim with smart rotations so he can challenge the ball down low, help keep that rim frequency low, reducing those high efficiency shots for opponents. You know, this is one of the reasons why we've been clamoring for him more in the rotation. And you're starting to see it. You're seeing Devontae Graham's minutes drop though he shot really well against the Golden State Warriors. But it really does feel like Dyson Daniels is going to be a future key member of this Pelicans team. And defensively, despite some of the fouling, you know, he he's fit right in. And at times he's fouled a lot. I think it's been a little bit inconsistent with him, but overall kind of good in that regard. But here's the thing. If the team's not fouling a lot and you have one guy who is, it's actually okay. It's not the end of the world. That's not something that's going to completely upend your strategy. So it gives the rookie a little bit more leeway to go out, make mistakes, kind of be aggressive and fit what works. I do wonder if New Orleans has been a little too aggressive in these type of situations, but it's working for them. Again, it's a bend but don't break defense. I think that's the best way to describe it. They're definitely bending at times. There's no doubt about that, but it's working overall. Otherwise, the ranking wouldn't be what it is, and they wouldn't have the record that they currently have, which is three games above 500 with a chance tonight to make it four. And then, of course, the Memphis Grizzlies on Friday with Ja Morant likely playing, but New Orleans has had good luck there. So by the time you get just past Thanksgiving, you could be looking at five games above 500. This team could be 12-7. and For as much hand-wringing as we've done about them, that's a good team that is improving, getting wins, and beating opponents that they should. And defensively, I was really worried about them. But this past day, I went back and really watched a lot of their their film on the defensive side of the ball to kind of figure out what they're doing. And you can really start to see it. Aggressively kind of defend that three-point line, try and contest guys. You know, you've seen them do it a little bit too much at times, maybe to guys that aren't shooters. Maybe you, you need to sag off a little bit and dare some players to shoot. But New Orleans isn't going to really do that. They just want to try and force a turnover or force you in a contested shot so they can get a rebound and go. Bend, but don't break. Giving up the three-pointer is not ideally what you want, even if it is contested. And New Orleans is doing a very good job of forcing those contested shots and those contested shots not going in, also being a really important factor when it comes to this. So I like what we've seen from this team defensively, being aggressive, kind of feeding off of that Jose Alvarado energy too that he brings to the court with it works. I think Dyson Daniels fits right into that. You even have a little bit more leeway, wiggle room with the rookie because if he does foul a lot, eh, you're probably still not going to put the opponent in the bonus. So it's not going to, what it shouldn't negate what should be a big advantage for New Orleans with them getting to the free throw Line. So this overall is just kind of something that's really, really working. Aggressive, but without fouling, forcing turnovers, getting out and running, and making them miss from three. Now, they're not great in scramble situations. If that rotation happens and they they struggle to recover, but you've seen them do that a little bit better these past couple of games. Might have helped with some of the opponents that they've played to. But I like Dyson Daniels out there, particularly with the switch-heavy scheme they're running, the fact that he can kind of play at all three levels defensively, too. You need guys that can keep up like that. He definitely can. I want to see more from the rookie, and I've been happy with what we've seen from him. So coming up next, Kyra Lewis Jr. Give you a little bit of insight into what the team is planning on doing with him 
in the G League. I also want to say what I'm thankful for as we get towards Thanksgiving here. So that's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. So get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, whether that's football, basketball, soccer, esports. They've got it all over at BetOnline.net. And look, Friday's a big day. You got Tulane at 11 a.m., U.S., England, in the World Cup at 1. You Then you have the Pelicans playing the Memphis Grizzlies. Make those games more interesting. You know what's going to happen in those. You're a smart fan. Go bet on it over at betonline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in. You need a break from all of your family, even if it's a little one. Make these games more interesting and tell them to be quiet because you are focused. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more over at betonline.net. BetOnline, where the game starts. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, even on the holiday. There's going to be a show tomorrow recapping the game against the San Antonio Spurs. What went right, hopefully, or wrong, hopefully not. We'll be breaking down that game and what it means for the Pelicans and what we learn from them here on Thanksgiving Day if you need a little break from cooking or need something to listen to while you're cooking, whatever it is you might need it for. And don't forget... Your second listen, Locked On Sports Today, biggest stories across all sports. There's a lot going on this weekend. Catch up on all of it with the Locked On Sports Today podcast available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So Kyra Lewis Jr. has been in the G League, finally playing after, you know, nine, 10 months, nine months out. He has looked overall pretty good. And this is exactly what you are supposed to see from him. I am very thrilled that to see him succeeding down there in the G League, looking like himself. He is still fast, right? Didn't lose a step whatsoever, I think. And this is a wonderful sign. I would not read too much into how much he is dominating that G League, though. There is zero rim protection whatsoever in the G League. So Kyra Lewis Jr., and to a lesser extent, since he's not really going to get a ton of playing time with the team, Darion Sebron down there as well. They're just playing a different game than most of those guys with their speed, with their athleticism, and no one's able to challenge them at the rim. That might not work the same at the NBA level where there actually is rim protection. But Kyra Lewis Jr., he's going to be down there for a while. They have him on a minutes restriction currently. He is not really going to be playing too much. They really want to slowly get him back to being himself and feeling good about where he is. So despite him dominating, don't expect to see him up with the Pelicans anytime soon. I think he's going to be down there. There's no actual timetable for it. If you're on a minutes restriction in the G League, uh, you don't need to be playing at the NBA level just yet. So that's kind of the update we have from him. But he does look good. Put that into the right kind of perspective, though. I don't know if that's necessarily you know, unexpected to see him dominating like that. Just really great to see with his burst and speed and all of that back and that he does look to a degree to be his old self. All right, as we wrap up today's show, a couple of things. Look, it's Thanksgiving. We're not going to call anyone turkeys here other than maybe the Lakers, I guess. Uh, I just wanted to say I'm thankful for all of y'all. This has been all a fun season so far. It was fun last year. been doing this for over six years. And the community around all of this really does make it worthwhile. We've had some dark days here. I think that's safe to say. I was joking with some people at the game the other day about, man, 
you know, it's it's nice to be where this team is compared to where it's been the days of covering Christian Wood and trying to make that interesting when everything was just kind of falling to pieces around the team at the time or just some of those awful teams that we've had in New Orleans that just didn't end up working out that we talked ourselves into. So I'm thankful to be here with a team that is three games above 500 that has a top 10 offense, a top 10 defense, and is looking overall pretty good, especially after smashing the defending champ, Golden State Warriors, by 45 points, even if that is kind of in quotes to a certain degree. I also greatly appreciate all y'all taking time to tune in daily, once a week, whatever it is you might listen to. Thank you for being here and being part of this and commenting on YouTube and supporting me in that sense. The show exists for you. And that's why it's here Monday through Friday. That's why I work hard to get the show out late at night. So it is there first thing for you for your morning commute or whatever it is that you listen to the show. I want it to be there for you, even if that means I'm not getting as much sleep as I could. And you all really bring it. And this is where I'm really thankful for all of y'all. You saw the show on Friday with John Krause, my co-host on Locked on NBA. Go listen to that today, by the way. And, you know, he was constantly impressed with the numbers on the show. We were talking about some of that. We don't need to go into some of the specifics here, though. You know, but for a smaller market team, he is impressed how passionate the Pelicans fans are and that this show regularly beats some of the teams in bigger markets or right there competes with them. And that really speaks to your passion. Like you, the royal you, all of you, the collective, the Pels 12, it's impressive what y'all are doing and you are sending a message around the league. And look, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen and sending that message, making this show the top Pelicans podcast by like a factor of whatever. So I really, really greatly appreciate y'all. It's why I'm like dealing with internet issues, trying to make sure and frustrated because I want the show to be up for y'all first thing in the morning. So thank you all so much. Enjoy this game. Enjoy Thanksgiving tomorrow. There will be a podcast for you. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.